0: Listen to every New England Revolution game online. Download the 98.5 The Sports Hub app. This is The Soccer Show with your host, DJ Bean.
1: Saturday morning, the weather is what it's going to be. DJ Bean here with you on 98.5 The Sports Hub for The Soccer Show. As always, we kick off this fun little dance party with
2: our fun little dancer, Jeff Lemieux. How are you, pal? I'm fantastic. I wasn't expecting a weather report off the top, but I'm glad you gave it to me. Thanks for that.
1: Back when I did stuff at the uh, other station, not to say that there's only two stations in the world, but at, people know who you're talking about. At another station, which, shout out them, lo- lo- love all my pals, uh, I would do updates, do, like the hosts would do the updates, and I hosted a hockey show, so I would do the updates, and there was a weather part in it. But I knew nobody was really listening for the weather, so I'd get a little, some jokes off.
3: Ooh, you say, getting jokes off so doesn't the, sound
1: at right. At the end of it, I'd be like, all right, "I'd be like, uh, Red Sox first pitch seven ten. Weather is a homonym because <laughs> weather is a weather do be a homonym, my guy.
2: That is you know so that? David Bean of you. You
1: know that W E A T H W H E T. Wow, a real which-which situation.
2: I'm learning so much on today's soccer show. New
1: England Revolution happened to be. The best soccer team in the entire world right now, by MLS standards. Uh, They pick up a win against a pretty bad sporting KC side. And when I spoke to good friend Bruce Arena this week, I was excited. Because uh, a reportery thing, or like a a news story type thing is, uh, oh, this is their 10th game of the season. That's a round number. Let's get into some, hey, as we hit game 10, how do you feel? And he said, uh, I didn't like Game 9, which, fair, 2-1 against a team that they probably could have smoked. And, yeah, the Revs were down some guys, but in that second half, I think there really was room for them to pull away. And it uh, didn't work out that way. But they did get two goals out of Giacomo Vrioni, who is continuing to increase his standing, I'll say, in the hearts of Revs fans. What did you see from that game?
2: Yeah, first of all, in MLS, 17 is the big game because that's the halfway point. Ah. That's the one I love. Mm. You're 17 games into the season, you've officially hit the halfway point. But it's not a nice round number. Some point in July, but it's the halfway point, which just sounds so good. And it makes you sound super intelligent, or at least I feel like I sound intelligent when I say, Hey... You're at the halfway point. Are you figuring out who you are this season? And then they say, no, Jeff, you're an idiot, and then we move on. But at least I felt like I got an intelligent question in. Um, Yeah, the the game against Kansas City was a classic take your three points and get out of there (laughs) and forget about what happened. Because uh, I think what was particularly concerning for the Revs in the second half of that game was the drop-off came when Kansas City went down to 10 men. Mm -hmm. They looked pretty comfortable, pretty solid up until – Kansas City went down to 10 and then all of a sudden a struggling road team playing down a man really not dominated but they were on the front foot for the last 30 minutes of that game so the Reds came out of that Kansas City game saying hey it's great that we took three points from that but if we perform the way we did for the final 30 minutes of that game against a top team in MLS like Cincinnati who they host tonight you're going to lose that game so I think there was there was a little caution in those three points against Kansas City. But the silver lining, as you mentioned, Giacomo Vrioni, seems like he's starting to find his feet in Major League Soccer. He scores two goals, five minutes apart. They were both strikers kind of goals. What I really loved about... The first goal is the run that he makes. Ima Boateng gets down the left. Giacomo Vrioni curls his run to the back post. He then comes across the defender to get in front of him. First-time finish. Uh, and then he's on the spot to, to bang home a rebound on a, a Carlos Hill shot that gets saved. So two kind of poacher finishes for Giacomo Vrioni, which is what you want out of him. Goals for him are going to build his confidence, and if you get a confident DP striker, that can only be a good thing.
1: And you mentioned uh, Ima Boateng. We're seeing a lot of guys have to come in and out because he, although the Revs are First in MLS, they've definitely had their fair share of injuries, and there's for sure been uh, lineup instability, but instability sounds on paper instability. In practice it seems that most guys that have had to get a rare start here and there have handled it well. Tang definitely last week.
2: Yeah, and I think there are a lot of Revolution fans who are thrilled that Ema Boatang found his way back to New England yeah, this offseason because right. the Revs had declined his contract option at the end of last year. Tang had the opportunity to go out and kind of test the market. He ended up back in preseason with the Revs and earned a spot back on the Revs roster with his preseason performances and with the way he played on Saturday night, again, last Saturday night against Kansas City, thankfully he's back in New England because Ima Boatang, kind of the the book on him, at least in New England, has been he's been fantastic off the bench. Anytime he has come off the bench late in the game and you get that kind of energy and that kind of speed down the wing, he has torn teams apart as a substitute. He hasn't performed nearly as well when he's had those rare opportunities to start. In fact, that start last week against Kansas City was his first start. Since last August, Hmm. he had made 11 straight appearances off the bench. So to see Ima Boateng come in, get an opportunity to start and have the type of impact that he did was fantastic because he was, I think, the most dangerous player on the field for the Reds, certainly through the first 45 minutes.
1: We'll have the voice of the revolution, Brad Feldman, join us for what I always say is the most fun part of the show while Jeff is sitting right there staring daggers at me. But by then, Charlie has long signed off our virtual conversation, so he doesn't know that I'm saying Feldman's really the, the the winner with this thing. And we'll also have Shalri Joseph, Rev's legend, former captain, now assistant coach with the team. And in both those conversations, I'm sure we will hit plenty tonight's game against FC Cincinnati. But I also wanted to discuss it with you because truly this is, for this point of the season, nice round number, game number 10, this is the biggest matchup in MLS history because it is the first time that two teams with 20 points, the Revs and FC Cincinnati, both have 20 points on the young season,
2: face each other. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable. It was a, a crazy statistic to see that from Opta, mm-hmm. that n- at no point in what the 27, 28-year history of Major League Soccer to this point, that two teams 10 games into the season had had 20 points and mm-hmm. matched up. Um, so it is. it is. It's an early season matchup. Right, I mean, if you ask Bruce Arena about this, he's going to tell you all about how early in the year it is and everybody's still figuring each other out. and Nobody really knows who they are yet. Um, But it is, in terms of early season matchups, this feels like a really big one because there are some teams that are separating themselves league-wide and in the Eastern Conference. And the Revs in Cincinnati are two teams that have started to separate themselves from the pack a little bit. So from a Revs perspective, this is an opportunity to kind of... Test the waters a little bit. Figure out exactly where you are in this league because Cincinnati last year and this year look like they're going to be one of the top teams in the East. I'm I'm starting to lose my, hey, now I'm kind of new to this
1: card when it comes to MLS stuff. And I had that, I had one of those this week because I was looking at FC Cincinnati stuff and I was like, who leads them in goals? Sergio Santos. And I was like, oh, I remember him from Philly. Because wow. he was on those Philly teams yep. that the Revs would bump into. And I believe he was on the team that the Revs knocked off when the Re- when Philly had won the Supporter Shield. Correct. Right? And he is now one of many weapons that that team has. And my concern is that they'll probably come in being like, draw? You want to draw? We'll draw. Want to just do one point each? We'll do that? Like, I feel like they'll come in especially with the conditions being maybe up in the air, no pun intended, air is a big part of weather, look it up, I could see them wanting to keep this thing as boring and as low-scoring as possible, but uh, I was talking to our coworker Jason about this, like, a lot of teams try to do that, and if the home team has their druthers and can really take it to them, then they can still get the result they want.
2: Yeah, an early goal for the Reds would do wonders uh, tonight against Cincinnati, simply because of the way Cincinnati have picked up the vast majority of their points this year. They've got five clean sheets, four 1-0 wins. Mm. So they've done that really consistently to teams this year where they've kind of frustrated them. They've kept it low-scoring. They've kept it scoreless into the late stages. And then they use those attacking weapons that you mentioned you know guys like Sergio Santos and Luciano Acosta and, and Brenner, who we think is going to be available for a bit on Saturday, Brandon Vasquez, they do have a lot of attacking weapons. Those guys that get them the one goal that they need, and they've gotten out of a lot of games with 1-0 wins this year. So is that going to be Cincinnati's approach on Saturday or, or tonight? I would imagine it probably is. Uh, but if the Revs can get an early goal, then they're going to have to come out of their shell a little bit.
1: I hope there's a big crowd tonight. I hope that place to be. is packed. And I know that's the expectation when the revs have big games typically the fans let everybody know and they are there and I want to see big numbers and you 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 all out there can decide what number that is but you can also contribute to it so hopefully get out there make some noise this is this is as big a game as you'll find at this point in the schedule the revs also played in uh, uh, an open cup game against Hartford this week picked up a win a lot of, we'll say, youngsters getting in there for the revs.
2: Yeah, when you looked at the age breakdown of the starting lineup, it was five basically... Old. it was yeah. It was eight guys who were like 23 and younger, and then you had three veterans in the back, guys like Omar Gonzalez, Ben Sweat, yeah, and Earl them. Edwards, mm-hmm. who were all 30 and up. Yep. You had zero players in that Rev starting lineup between the ages of 25 and 30. It was basically front-loaded with youngsters. They started five academy players. For the first time in club history in a competitive match. And then they had some veteran experience in the back. And it was another one of those games where maybe the performance wasn't the best from start to finish. Hartford certainly gave the Revs a game. But in a knockout competition like that, it's survive in advance. The Revs were able to bring some heavy hitters off the bench. Guys like Carlos Hill and Dave Romney who came in and won the game late. And you move on to the next round when they will host uh, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds.
1: That's where as a fan, that's what I am first and foremost... I, th- I think knock it off. When I see Carlos Heel come in off the bench, I'm like, "Hey, no fair! Be well, comp- this is this is not in the
2: spirit of of the beautiful game. This is mean. Don't put Carlos Heel in." So I tweeted on Tuesday night. It was that that meme that had been around on Twitter a few years ago. That was what feels illegal but isn't. And I tweeted bringing Carlos Heal off the bench in an Open Cup yeah. game feels illegal. Technically, isn't though.
1: Yeah, but good to see the Revs continue to get wins. Good to see uh, Ben Sweat. Get in there. They picked him up last week, and he had played with Kansas City, correct?
2: He did. He made a. Uh, he had been waived by Kansas City That's a few weeks it. ago, came in, joined the Revs, made his debut for the Revs as a late substitute against his former team, Kansas City, uh, and then started the Open Cup game on Tuesday night. So he's getting settled in a little bit.
1: Revs uh, filling out that uh, back end with Henry Kessler. I don't know how much light we're supposed to shed on this, but did you hear what close personal friend bruce arena told me
2: i did i did
1: i asked about the spirit of henry kessler because he got that surgery it's supposed to keep him out four months and i don't know what the exact quote is but the vibe was for sure like to to quote bruce arena about something else uh, get four months out of your head <laughs> essentially it was like hey like we say four months but who knows nudge nudge wink wink Bruce
2: always wants everybody back as quickly as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, does Henry Kessler know that <laughs> yeah. his timeline is now shorter than four months? As he's probably like limping around and doing his best to just kind of get through the days. Yeah, Bruce sets the timelines. Love that. And I love the idea. Man, I was doing a little mental math, counting on the fingers. I was like, all right, so what's four months? The season, I mean, the season's still going in four months anyway, but shorter than four months not only do you have Henry Kessler back for the stretch run, but maybe you have him really uh, hitting peak conditioning. Well, that's the hope, right?
2: Once he gets back, he's going to need a little bit of time coming off hamstring surgery, being out for however long it's going to be. He's going to need a little bit of time to get himself fully back up to 100%. So the earlier he can get back at 100%, the better run-in he's going to give himself into hopefully a playoff run.
1: In the meantime, I love the uh, Farrell Assange. I did want to hit with you... Newcastle
2: smoking Tottenham. Yeah. Looks like Champions League football locked up for Newcastle. I don't want to speak too soon, but I think it's an eight-point edge Mm. over Tottenham with a game in hand now, with only five, six games left in the season. So Newcastle going out, scoring. I slept in like ten minutes too late Wow, last weekend. And by the time I woke up, Newcastle were up 3-0 in the ninth minute. Luckily, I saw two more goals in the next ten minutes. They were 5-0, 20 minutes into the game. Absolutely smoked Tottenham. Then went out... uh, on what Thursday of this week, beat Everton 4-1. Feeling pretty, pretty confident at this point that Newcastle are going to find themselves in the Champions League next year.
1: I threw that last topic in there because I am absolutely stalling when it comes to the upcoming conversation with Charlie Davies. Charlie is the sweetest, nicest man I have ever met in my life. And things are not going so hot for Arsenal. And we have to talk about that with him. But I've put it off long enough... We'll do that next. Charlie Davies next on the, sh- on the soccer show.
0: Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey <laughs> Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Laney to 45911 to see which four Laney Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Laney to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. The Soccer Show on 985 The Sports Hub, home of the New England Revolution.
1: Football Show on 985 The Sports Hub, DJ Bean. I say football because this is where we go global, international, bring in Revs legend, U.S. men's national team legend, friendship with DJ legend, Charlie Davies. You can hear him and see him on Revs broadcast, morning footy on CBS Sports Galazzo. What's up, Charlie?
3: What's going on? I just landed from uh, London, and I am... I don't even know what date it is or time it is. This week has been a whirlwind, but I am on cloud nine.
1: I well, I, I'm glad you're doing well. I've been uh, not wanting to do this block of the show because <laughs> this is typically where we get some jokes off, and Jeff always makes me ask a question about Arsenal potentially leaving the door open in the EPL title race. And I told Jeff off camera off. Whatever. Off mic, I told Jeff, I like getting jokes off while it's jokey. And this topic to me now is just sad. I don't want to make jokes about Arsenal because you were there. You were there against Man City. Uh, First Arsenal game you attended, right? First ever
3: Arsenal game I've attended.
1: And unfortunately, we don't get to do the... Did Arsenal leave the door open? Is this... with the drubbing that Arsenal took in this game, 4-1 against Man City, they are now up only two points on Man City, I believe. And Man City has two games in hand. So the EPL title race is no longer about our doors open, is this... A... It is now Man City's to lose. So I apologize to you that your beloved Arsenal has chunked it,
3: really. How do you feel and how is that experience? To be honest, I was just as excited to be there and to experience it all. And knowing that Arsenal are still in the Champions League finally to get back into the Champions League and finishing second in the league, it's still a successful season. Yeah, it it feels a little rough because everyone's hopes were up. You felt like you were going to win the, the Premier League title for the first time since 2004. But realistically, the team's not deep enough. So... I'm happy they took it this far, but I'm also realistic. They didn't have the quality that Manchester City has, and Manchester City proved that they're the best team in the Premier League. So, um, given that, man, I got to go see Arsenal for the first time. Live my dream. Uh, Get to go to the Etihad and watch Manchester City play under Pep Guardiola. Uh, I mean, I I checked so many different boxes, and on top of that, this is something that's really special. I saw at least a handful of revolution fans in manchester england Whoa. and they're all all going to the game so at least five different uh sets of, of of uh groups uh families going to the match that were new england revolution fans so let's go
1: that's sick and that's cool i mean the, the, obviously throughout mls rev supporters. Do travel well, and you will find them if they're on the road or if they're at home, whatever. Hopefully tonight uh, we'll pack the place at Gillette Stadium for a big one against FC Cincinnati. But on Manchester City, and I I like the, the way that you're handling this as an Arsenal supporter, tipping your cap to a worthy, even superior opponent. Are they yes. this, this will be three in a row now, if I'm not mistaken, as far as EPL titles go for Manchester City, right?
3: Yes. So they are just so it's it's four out of five. It'll be five out of six and three in a row. So
1: they are a, a buzzsaw. Is this stopping anytime soon? As long as
3: Pep Guardiola is there, no.
1: Man. So what do you, so what do you do if you're a team like Arsenal, who maybe isn't quite there yet. I mean, in, in the NBA, for a while, teams would strategically try to, like, okay, you just got to wait out this team because as long as this guy is there, they're going to rule. Like, as long as LeBron is in Cleveland, no one's really going to win the East, so you got to wait for him to leave and stuff. And I think the teams have learned now you can't do that because with how often players move at any given point, a team can just pop up and challenge the the, the powers that be. Is a team going to pop up and Push Manchester City off?
3: Um, not that, not that I see in the immediate future. Mm. Uh, Liverpool are going to reinvest in their squad, and there's no doubt about that. But also, they're going to reinvest in their squad, not with full blown superstars because they've already said they can't compete with the Real Madrids of the world and the Man Cities of the world. Just in, in a target like Jude Bellingham, who's probably going to go for around 120 to 140 million this summer they said they'd rather spend that on three or four players rather than one player so that kind of puts puts that into perspective as as far as jeff's liverpool side who aren't probably going to see a title for a while mm-hmm. and then on on the flip side you see chelsea spending all the money in the world but with no game plan with no structure with no manager typically that's not going to lead to success man city are stable they have arguably the best player in the world right now definitely the most informed player in the world in uh, erling holland and then you have kevin de bruyne who is back to his best now that they uh, have this partnership and, and understanding in the attacking third so man-, man city aren't going anywhere arsenal were in eighth place in the two seasons ago they moved up to to fifth place and now they're most likely um, going to finish in second place this season. So steady progress. But when you look at these sides in the Premier League and and challenging Manchester City, you have to look at the squad depth and the experience within the squad. When you look at this Arsenal side, is there one player that that screams championship pedigree to you? Um, Probably not. No, there's no one that has that experience that if you step on the field, you go, oh, man. Uh, we got to play against this guy's won three, four Premier League trophies. This guy's won a Champions League. We can rely on this guy, this guy, this guy in those major moments. You saw in that match at the Etiod right off the bat, Martinelli went into a shell dealing with Kyle Walker, and that's just because Kyle Walker came out with this: "I'm superior to you. I'm quicker. I'm stronger. I've won. You haven't done anything. You're still a kid." But Kai Osaka was shut down by a Kanji. And that was the first time you've seen him kind of get bottled up in, throughout 90 minutes. Gabriel Jesus was a ghost. And the midfield, you need your captain to step up in those moments. And it was not only your captain, but Odegaard, Shaka, and Partey were absolutely played off the park. If your midfield is taken out of the game, and then your coach on top of that, Mikel Arteta still showed his his inexperience by not making the necessary adjustments at halftime when you were absolutely getting bullied in the first half, and then you go and sub on Jorginho when you're down down goals, that that just shows to me as a, a manager who is still timid and, and not afraid to make the necessary changes to get back in the game. You're already down 3-0, so what's the difference between or 2 0 Going down 5-0 and losing 5-0 or getting back in the game in 2-2, 3-2? Make it tight. If you, if you get a little bit more aggressive. So the Arsenal side has a long way to go, but still it's an improvement. It's a big step in the right direction. Newcastle is the one that you probably kind of got to worry about because they ha- it's not that they've gone out and spent on mega superstars. They're back in the Champions League next season. They will finish in the, in the top four. And with that bankroll behind them, they're now going to be able to attract uh, certain types of profiles they, they wouldn't be able to necessarily get in, in the past. So, that That's a team that is scary and on the up because of the ownership. And you don't know where Man United is going. Marcus Rashford said he's not going to sign a new deal unless uh, the ownership uh, sorts itself out. So with all that kind of going on in the Premier League, Manchester City is ahead above everyone else. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I'm holding
1: out hope that, Charlie, next week we'll be talking about Manchester City leaving the door open. And that
3: uh they're, <laughs> yeah they wins <laughs> yeah they're
1: now finding a way to screw it up and let a uh, team like Arsenal back in it uh big news on the international front as it relates to the revolution this week Inter have uh, agreed to terms on a four year deal with Club Bruges and Canadian national team wing back Tejon Buchanan I'm reading this on a uh Website that I can't pronounce because it's a soccer thing and uh, I, I'm an absolute idiot. But Tejon Buchanan, I think we all knew when when he left the Revs, was going to be taking steps and continue to kind of rise up the ranks. He now is uh, on his way to Inter. Is this a good move for him?
3: It's a fantastic move for Tejon Buchanan. One, it's, it's the dream of all dreams to go from – Belgium, Belgium, which is a a stepping stone league. It's a league that is a proven um, league in terms of developing talent and then selling you to the next step. And I think careers are all about taking the right step, the trajectory of your career. You can't go from zero to 100. It's got to be a steady process. And if if I'm looking at Tejan's just level, going from the revolution where he was phenomenal getting the – the transfer to club Bruges. I think there was a big learning cur- curve in terms of the demand in the, the ins and out of, of playing at a high level every single day in training and then in the matches and trying to figure out where, where am I in the totem pole? So just breaking it down that way. And now going to an in, a, a inter side that plays in a three, five, two, and he'll be used as a, as a wing back and, what we saw is uh, Denzel Dumfries with um, the Netherlands, who looks to maybe leaving Inter this summer. Demarco plays on the left, Dumfries on the right. We've seen Dumfries in the World Cup, um, unfortunately, score against the U.S. Uh, in, in that World Cup uh, qual- knockout round match. But ultimately, I think that's where Tejan will be, and it's it's a one positionally, it's a great spot for him to enter Syria. It's this is the history mm. that Inter have. Um, living in Milan. It's, it's a dream come true for for Tejan. I couldn't be happier for him. And it's just, again, New England revolution are spreading their wings across the globe. There's going to be more recognition. Um, naturally the supporters of Inter are going to say, who is this Tejan kid? where did he come? where did he develop from? Oh, New England revolution, major league soccer. Now there's, there's just more eyeballs on the New England revolution and more awareness. So, um, the global representation is fantastic. I love to see it. Like I said, New England revolution is massive. The fans are out in, in the streets of Manchester, England. For, I go from Manchester, New Hampshire to Manchester, England, and the New England revolution are still present. Let's go.
2: Hell
1: yeah. Hell yeah. Charlie Davies, always the best. Always great talking to you. We'll hear you tonight on the call against FC Cincinnati. On the other side, we will have Brad Feldman on the Soccer Show.
0: Come on you Reds. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. The Soccer Show, a 985 The Sports Hub, home of the New England Revolution.
1: Soccer Show, 985 The Sports Hub, DJP, joined by the voice of the New England Revolution. Brad Feldman, how are you, pal?
4: Good. Looking forward to being on your show. When do we start?
1: <laughs> uh, what if we did an actual straight lace segment where we were like really just like
4: doing You just gave the game away. I think I think everybody thought we were being straightforward. <laughs> Definitely.
1: Lots of X's and O's to get to. FC Cincinnati in town. Uh <laughs> FC Cincinnati in town, boy oh boy, are they good. They've only lost one game, much like the New England Revolution. The biggest I've been pushing it all week. The biggest MLS game at this point of the season sure. ever.
4: Battle for first place. Ever. Two leaders in the supporters shield standings. Two teams with
1: twenty points. That never happens in the first ten games of the season.
4: Well, it has never happened before that FC Cincinnati has been a power, but mm-hmm. they are under Pat Noonan. They're good, except they did get, they did get drubbed by expansion in St. Louis a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and they- they've had a couple of road draws against substandard teams. But that said, they are very good. Their, their attack worries me from a Revolution perspective.
1: Interesting. And is that just their attack, or is it that the Revs on the back end have been mixing and matching some pieces, although we are in the middle? Of the Farrell Renaissance, I don't know if you know about this.
4: That's a uh, I like that. First F- time I've ever said it. Farrell Renaissance, but yeah, it flows
1: the, off the tongue. It's the Andrew Farrell Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. Which he's a Renaissance man. Anyway. He's a Renaissance man.
4: I think he would argue that like he like he he was never in the exactly. Dark Ages. That exactly. he was just injured for a few. What games. Dark Ages? Yeah, yeah, no, but no, but Kessler and Ronnie were playing very well together. Farrell's come in and looked really like young Andrew Farrell. He's getting around pretty well, and I think having Ronnie next to him will be. Uh, uh, you know, uh, continue to be a boon because Romney makes the guy next to him look good. Romney's been the, the, the sleeper signing of the season oh, yeah. so far in MLS in my book. But that said, it, it, if they had Kessler back there, I'd be feeling the same way. Sergio Santos.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Old friend ha- from Philly.
4: Yeah, and he yeah. has right now the highest goals per minute rate in the league. He has three goals in eight prior matches against New England. And his setup guy... Has always put it on the revs too. Uh, Luciano Costa is, you know, along with Carlos Hill, one of the top playmakers and is just difficult to track. He's a, you know, he's a, a little water bug out there. Mm. And, and uh, so that's what I mean. Uh, like, you know, they could have Maldini, you know, and Nesta back there. And I would and be worried about this since he attacked the way they're going right now.
3: You
1: mentioned Dave Romney. I saw him the other day and I said, Dave, every week on that soccer show of ours, we pump your tires. We say, "What a get! What a signing!" You know what he said? He said, "Shut up! I don't care." Just kidding. He was very, very flattered. He
4: would have said that with his eyes, though.
1: No, no. he had like a sincere. Can we call like, him the governor? The governor, because yeah. Romney. You, you, you're smelling what I'm cooking there. Famously, he's yeah. related,
4: distantly, to, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Never.
1: Yeah. T- I never spoken to him about that. Usually, yeah,
4: he, he's not really trying to promote that. He's probably, like, oh, geez, I, I'm going to the revs. Everybody's going to ask me about my third uncle once removed or whatever. Yeah, no, he's, he's my kind the of senator. Guy, though.
1: He came on this show, swore a bunch. We had to bleep it. It was great.
4: Don't believe that either.
1: So, Gustavo Bo on the field on Tuesday.
4: Yeah, do you think he'll start? I don't think he'll start I because once they got down to
1: the nitty gritty, the real like once they got down to slow dances, if you if you catch my drift, once things started to get real out there, he was more kind of hanging
4: on the sides. I think we'll see Gustavo Bo maybe in a similar role, not positionally, but to what uh, <laughs> when Bruce Reed is forced to do against Hartford in the Cup match, which is like. All right, you guys are being a real nuisance. Yeah. It's one to one. Here's Carlos Hill. Wham Bigfoot game over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so if things are tight, it'd be good to have La Pantera as as sort of a you know, joker in the deck. But uh you can't you can't run him out after he's been injured for a ninety minute shift, I don't think.
1: How about Bobby Wood?
4: I don't know about his fitness. Like I know he's trained, yeah. um and he's got a great engine, you know. Um Either both, I don't know. It's hard to say.
1: All right. That bell you heard means it's, once again, time to talk about Giacomo Vrioni here on the Soccer Show. We do it every week with Brad Felman, as Vri- always. A
4: renaissance, if you will.
1: Yes. it's a Welcome to the Vrionessance. <laughs> Although, so he for sure had a Dark Ages. But what came before the Dark Ages?
4: I think it was like the fall of the Roman Empire. There, were, there were, you the know, late like the 800s right like the 700s is long byzantine maybe period okay know.
1: so i don't know if he ever had like a byzantine period yeah. with the the revs i think that mainly dark ages but
4: reality- dark, dark ages were uh, i you know it's, world history is way yeah sort of dark I, in I, my I'm mind i'm clearly
1: very rusty on it
4: yeah there was a, the, the dark there was a long spread there where the, the human beings weren't doing very well before then the middle ages and then the renaissance you know
1: Soccer show on eight
4: five. The yeah. Sports. <laughs> yeah, we're way off the course. Um,
1: oh, no, it's right, right where I want it. Uh, two goals last week, though, and he Giacomo's
4: is... got game, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, and you were saying it, too. It was going to come good eventually. Let's just, you know, hope he can stay fit because that's what held him back last year was that knee injury he showed up with. We didn't see the best of him. You know, the, score, the, the goal he scored against Montreal where he took it off his chest, made that individual run, I think opened a lot of eyes to what his... You know, his bag is his his skill set. And if he can get stay fit, play with confidence, he is a legit DP forward.
1: You know me. I'm deep in the analytics, always pouring through the stats. And I was on one of my favorite websites for advanced stats, mls.com slash stats. There you're just going to find your goals, your clean sheets. You're going to get a lot of stuff. digging deep there, huh? Yeah, and I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and darn it, if I didn't wear out my mouse trying to get to a player on the New England Revolution on the goals list, and eventually I happened upon a guy named Giacomo Vrioni. He has three goals to lead the New England Revolution. This team is in first place and does not have a player with more than three goals. It speaks to injuries of course but also ain't that a pretty good thing yeah you spread don't have spread, the, spread the wealth
4: you don't rely on one guy I agree with that goals can come from a lot of different places but I think Bruce Re would say we need to score more of them if if you know and he would like to have a guy present for double digits you know Carlos heal is cre- you know he he missed a little time but he's getting or climbing the ladder and uh, chances created. And that's really, the, for me, the key metric. It doesn't matter who taps at home. Right. If Carlos is out there scanning and slicing and dicing, then the Rebs are in good shape.
1: And it, it, it ain't a money ball situation either because I, I feel like you can be excited about that as long as you have a Gustavo Bo, someone who actually has been that guy, who's scoring all the goals, and it was him and Buxa for a, a long time. He just hasn't been healthy. And if right, he if you can get been,
4: Bo and Vrioni then... out there, now we're, you know, we're on to something. you got a stew going, as they say. Exactly. You're smelling what I'm cooking.
1: Exactly. Okay. This has been uh, probably the, the cleanest and best of the Brad Feldman, DJ Bean segments. Yeah, literally. I'm going to have to go, go back
4: and, and get my historical timeline in, Fel- in order. Yeah.
1: Felger and Maz are in trouble. I think that when, when they hear this duo well, listen, really listen, get coming.
4: World history you know, before 7 a.m., it's, it's good stuff. Everybody's waking up now.
1: I'm so glad I got to do this. All right, we will be back with Shari Joseph, Rev's legend, on The Soccer Show.
0: BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> The Soccer Show on your home for Boston sports, 98.5 The Sports
1: Hub. Soccer Show, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Thrilled to have this guest, Revs legend, former captain, now assistant coach, Shalry Joseph. Showery, how are you?
5: I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me, DJ. It's Been a long time I've been on the radio, so I'm looking forward to hearing you.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing, man. And so I'm a big Revs fan, but I'm a I'm a recent Revs fan, like last five years. So. I think my first exposure to you might have been hearing you on the radio. You do stuff with Hardy, right? Yeah,
5: I did. I had a great time with him, working with him.
1: Yeah. yeah. So it's when they try. were like, yeah, we got Chowry this week. Obviously, I've since learned uh, all your contributions <laughs> to the organization, but I was like, oh, hell yeah. Another radio guy. So, <laughs> nice. uh, awesome to, awesome to speak with you. Big one this weekend, FC Cincinnati. I believe the biggest matchup. At this point in the season in MLS history, because I read it's the first time Mm -hmm. that two teams with 20 points have faced each other in the first 10 games. So how big of a challenge will Cincinnati be?
5: Uh, It'll be huge. Uh, They're one of the best teams right now. When you look at the MLS from what they've done in the last couple of years to where they are now, they've had such a huge growth. And it's going to be a huge matchup for us in terms of offensively and defensively. The way they play, the style of soccer they play, and the way we, we've we been playing, we're going to need to bring our best game this weekend, best game tomorrow, especially against uh, the likes of Santos and Vasquez and Acosta. They have guys that can hurt you on the offensive side if you're not aware of their, aware where they are on the field. So it's going to be one of those games where it makes a difference in set piece or something like that. But we got to be aware of who they are and make sure that we respect them, but not fear them and be ready to play tomorrow.
1: On paper, it would stand to reason that Cincinnati would be very cool coming in here and just getting a a, a draw. Road game against the top team in in the league. How do you take it to a team that might be okay with trying to keep it tight and low scoring?
5: Uh, The good thing about it, we have faced teams already just early in the season that come in here and sit back a little bit and just wanted a point on the road. And our mentality at home is we go after it we go after it right from the start and we always the aggressor of the two teams, whether we're on the road or home. Bruce mentality is we don't play differently. We play the way we are and our DNA is we on the front foot, we're aggressive, we wanna score the first goal and that might come late in the game, but we're gonna stay aggressive no matter what then. Someone like Pat Noonan, who I had the pleasure to play with and have a little bit of conversation with, especially this preseason. He's aggressive too, so it's going to be a match of, of two of the, the best minds in soccer, you think. Even though Pat's a little bit younger in terms of experience, he'll be a very aggressive the way he is as nature.
1: Yeah, I talked to uh, Bruce Arena the other day about the Cincinnati coaching staff. He said uh, one of their assistants, especially, he said, is a dope, uh, referring to uh, his, his beautiful son Kenny Arena. But yeah, as you said, you've played with with Pat Noonan, and now you see him uh, coaching and being one of the the better and more promising coaches in MLS. What does he bring a, as a manager?
5: I think he brings that insight in the game that is lacking now in terms of the intelligence that you need as a coach. He understands how to, as a player, he understands how to beat players, how to be great offensive-minded. And I think that's what he does with Cincinnati. He gives them the freedom to express themselves, even within a structure. And then he's been able to put the pieces around his best players, players like Acosta and uh Vasquez. He's been able to add midfielders like Mbogo. And then Mia's guy in the back, he's been able to find some great pieces. And just like we did here, we surrounded our team with Uh, we surrounded Carlos with some of the best players, whether it be the Duan, the Brandon, uh, we brought in Dave Romney this year, and then Andrew's been here forever, which is a great thing for this organization. And then we have the likes of young players that's been talented like Noel and Matt Post in the midfield. We've been able to surround Carlos with some of the best pieces in the league. So it's going to be an intriguing matchup, especially the way they play and the way how aggressive we are from the start of the whistle on both sides of the ball. So it's going to be very intriguing.
1: As a midfielder, what do you think of the group that that this team has been able to to build there?
5: I I love it. I love what they've done from top to bottom. Chris Albright's done a great job over there. Like I said, giving Pat the freedom, the giving him the, whatever he needs to build a team around him. And the way you do it is having the right mentality. And they do. They're great ball winners in the midfield, and you can tell they work hard for each other. And that's the thing you need. To be a good team, you need that kind of culture on your team. And we've been developing this over the past couple of years, and we still have far to go. We're not complacent or happy where we are, but we know this matchup will tell a lot about where we are as a team and where we are mentality wise.
1: What made you want to get into coaching? Is it just too hard to be away from the game, or, or yeah. what, what drew you to this?
5: Uh, for me, it's always been the love of just being a soccer player, just playing the game, and it's so enjoyable. But what drew me is trying to find a solution to a game that I played. I love the X's and O's. I love trying to figure out how to beat a team. I study a lot of soccer from the you name it, I watch it. So I think being a coach and then having the opportunity to learn my knowledge of what I've been through as a player is drawing me even closer to the game.
1: I think that's what's so great about sports that it is always changing and you can have conversations about. Hey, would this player from today work in this? And like, (laughs) the the rules are largely the same, but whether it's diet, whether it's training, whether it's Mm -hmm. coaching tactics, it's kind of wild that the same number of players, the same field and everything can, is always this ever evolving puzzle.
5: It is. It is. And that's what makes it so fun and so enjoyable. Like we do have this conversation, would I be able to play in the midfield now here and there? And I'm like, yeah, I would love the opportunity to be around these guys because, I know how talented the Noel, the Matt Polster, the Tico, whoever it is in the midfield, uh, Latif now this year, such a great ball winner. So all these players that we have brought in are been a part of this organization. I think the sky's the limit, especially for the young cast we have. But I look forward to it. I love being around here and I love being a part of this organization.
1: What's it like coaching with Bruce?
5: <laughs> it's uh, doing anything it's with Bruce's. Uh, th- th- th-
1: that, that should get a laugh.
5: Yeah, it's a dream come true, man. Uh, to be in this position, I couldn't ask for a better position to be in and to be in our, to be in an organization to learn from him. Every day is just an enjoyable day. We don't look at it as work. We look as, look at it as learning and just being a part of something special. He makes it fun to be around. He always telling you how to get better with little things like that how to understand. The biggest thing is understanding players' mentality and how to get everything out of them. And that's the things that he strives for the most is making sure that we have a great great organization to work with, a great staff to be around, and then making sure that we have fun. At the end of the day, we're doing something that we were born to do and love to do sometime when we were young. So for me, it's thank you. That's all I can say for him is just thank you for the opportunity.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, j- just coming from the, the media side of it, he's one of my favorite people whether it's coach player whatever that i've i've covered because he definitely tells you what he thinks
5: Yeah, he does. and
1: <laughs> if you're being a wise guy he'll definitely participate in that with you but he still kind of gives respect for the the whole thing and you actually come away from it knowing a little more than you did before and from the media side that can be a frustrating thing of the process where it's like all right i understand you guys don't want to give us anything but yeah. you i I, at least, maybe it's because I'm, I'm still learning about soccer, but I come away a little more knowledgeable each time I deal with him, and I just feel like that's kind of his, his thing. Shalri, awesome to talk to you. Really appreciate you coming on with us.
5: Uh, thank you for having me. I look forward to you, and come out to the game, everyone. We're looking forward to a great crowd.
1: Oh, yeah, it should be crazy. All right, that'll do it for the Soccer Show. I'm DJ Bean. We'll talk to you next week.